You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 15 November, preliminary Japanese third quarter GDP, quarter on quarter, minus 0.5%. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Not a bad storage result and a strong BidCorp update. Are we surprised by strong BidCorp updates anymore? You're going to be talking on different types of money guilt and particularly how to deal with it. And then we're going to be talking with South African Institute of Chartered Accountants Executive for Audit and Assurance, Digital Transformation, how it is reshaping auditing. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Freak Joburg hailstorm to hit insurers hard. Recent events are likely to lead to higher premiums for policyholders. Reuters, stocks surge, dollar slumps as traders cheer inflation. Surprise, uh, U.S. October inflation, 3.2% versus 37 in September. Morning markets, U.S. was green, S&P up 1.9%, NASDAQ up 2.1%. East is green, Sydney only 0.1% higher, Tokyo up 2%. Commodities, all green. Gold, 1,969. Brent, 82.74. Platinum, 8.90. Palladium, 1,022. Rand, 18.21. Bitcoin, 35,500. Tencent up 3.1% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 opening call, looking for a green open, 240 points or a third of a percent higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting now with uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Gary, appreciate the early morning storage results. A, a, a nice little re- set of results. I mean, it's a nice stock. It's never going to shoot the lights out. We've got a 5% interim yield. We've got a 27% discount to NAV and fairly niche and different, of course, to the REITs typically trading on our market. What was your take on the business and those uh, results that came out yesterday? I think a, a solid performance. Uh, yeah, I think it is a, a slightly more difficult period for them from an investment point of view, mm. just because, you know, as an investor comparing storage mm. to what else I can get in the market, uh, you know, obviously it's wonderful that's sitting on on roughly a ten percent dividend deal. I mean, they did increase their dividend by two point two percent. They're expecting uh, the to, the full year dividend to come in between one hundred and eighteen cents and one hundred and twenty two cents. It's trading at about twelve rand at the moment. You can kind of expect ten percent from it, but as an investor. Yeah, I can look around at a lot of fixed income products that will give give kind of similar returns. Um, but as an investor looking a little bit forward, it starts to look very, very interesting. If we do see interest rates coming down over the next couple of years, this is almost a comparable investment product uh, becomes very, very attractive. Now, as you said, you know, the underlying business seems very, very solid. Uh, you know, occupancies are incredibly high compared to traditional property REITs. Yeah. Obviously, all the self-storage uh, uh, units, they, they benefit across the economic cycle. So when things get really difficult, uh, people have life changes, they end up using storage units. Uh, when things get really good and you're expanding and, and things are changing then, um, you still end up using storage <laughs> just for different reasons. So so I, I like it. I like the business. We, we've we've held it in portfolios for a long time. Uh, we've been very happy with it. As I said, very high high yield play, uh, you know, very, very 
correlated very differently to the the overall market. So, so I think worth uh, including. And and also, yeah, obviously their their business is split kind of fifty fifty between the UK yeah. and South Africa these days. And you know, a really strong set of results from South Africa. And if you're looking for a business that has, has exposure in the, in the local market, you need something that is independent of our, our energy crisis. And storage really has proved that. Uh, you know, their energy costs are less than one percent of revenue. If you think of if if you've ever been to a storage, you think of what it is. It's essentially a, almost a retail warehouse. You know, there's a couple of energy saving bulbs in the roof when you walk down the corridors they turn on. Uh, there's a guy sitting at the front desk and he has to power his laptop. Um, you've got a couple of batteries I suppose that, that have to be there you know, in case load shedding hits and, and you know, you've got to operate the tags and the gate. Yeah. But that's really the, the energy footprint of the unit. So, so a nice business that is insulated from kind of the typical South African problems as well. So yeah, I yeah. think very good business and, and, and probably an, an interesting entry point if you have a, a view that uh, inflation is going to moderate and uh, that interest rates are going to come down. Yeah, because that 10% yield, as you say, eh, compared to fixed income, not attractive now, but maybe in time. Quick question on Bidcorp. Another strong update. Truthfully, we're surely just no longer surprised by Bidcorp giving us strong updates. <laughs> I think yeah, listening to that, that uh, you know, a word of caution being being issued as well. Yeah, and I, you, we kind of look at Bitvest as as a bellwether of the South African economy, and Bitcorp is a decent bellwether for the for the international economy because it's you know it's it's spread across so many jurisdictions. Uh, you know, thirty five percent of the revenue coming from Europe, twenty six from the UK, uh, Australasia about twenty six, and okay, stiff, uh, only about sixteen percent from emerging markets. But those emerging markets, everything from mainland China, yes, a bit. South Africa, but Brazil and Chile and Turkey and all sorts of different places. So um, the kind of comments that were coming through is that, yes, they had a, a bumper bumper year coming out of COVID. You know, there was the revenge spending, uh, certainly in the restaurant space. So that obviously feeds into food services as well. <clears throat> that is starting to moderate now. And they are seeing signs of slowing activity across the globe in all markets. Uh, you know, most of the underlying businesses performed, performed in line with expectations. Uh, Europe was ahead of expectations, very, very strong results from Europe, emerging markets a little bit on the back foot. So, and I think that, that feeds certainly into, into our narrative and how we're looking at the macro picture of the globe the moment. Uh, we're still very in favor of developed markets as an investment jurisdiction. I'm uh, still a little bit cautious about emerging markets, although we do definitely see you know, specific opportunities there. And I think that's that's the message coming through from, from the Bit, uh, Bitcorp executive as well. Obviously, as an investor, looking at a, a stock like Bitcorp, it was off almost 4% on these results. So I think that word of caution, you know, feeding into the market and, 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 and definitely investors listening to that in, in a very strong day yesterday. Uh, but, you know, on any significant weakness, it is a more expensive stock. Uh, if you're looking for international uh, exposure uh, through the JSC, it's something that has to be on your radar. Yeah, we're trading just off all-time highs. Not a heck of a lot we can say at that position in our market. We leave there. Gary Boyson uh, from around Swiss. Always appreciate the early morning insights. If seagulls were harder dolls who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah? or chase summer around the globe. You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on The Money. 
Chatting now with Teresa Venga. She's a head of business transformation at Momentum Investor. Uh, Teresa, appreciate the early morning. Money Guilt, an article that hit my inbox a, a day or two ago. And I must say, when I saw the headline, I'm like, ooh, this is going to be uh, a good reading. I suppose uh, to kick off, what is Money Guilt? I suspect it's, it's probably a wide topic that ultimately it hits all of us. Yes, morning, Simon. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with guilt first. Yeah. I think it's something that anybody can relate to, right? I mean, we've had uh, feeling, feeling guilt about having that second helping of pudding or feeling guilty about the fact that you go and get up to gym. Now, money guilt is nothing different. It, it refers to that emotional and psychological distress that we all experience in relation to your financial situation, whether it's your spending habits or whether it's your financial decisions. And this is normally recognized by specific types of feelings like shame and inadequacy or largely anxiety as well or regret even. And, and this can actually manifest in a whole lot of different ways, which in essence impact all of our mental and emotional well-being. And, and in many ways, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be firmly rooted in where we are now in our current financial exactly. circumstances, but it's also going to be rooted in how we were raised. I'm thinking how my parents and my grandparents uh, responded and, and managed money. Uh, you know, my grandparents ca- came through the Second World War, and of course, they were very, very scared of spending anything. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, there are common triggers, and it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but one of the biggest things, and it's also of particular interest to me, is, is your childhood experiences, right? Mm-hmm. The attitudes and the behaviors and the beliefs about money that you develop in your formative years have actually that lasting effect. Now, we must remember that children learn by observing the financial behaviors of their parents or their caregivers, and whether your parents are were frugal or spendthrift, the money habits then become a model for future for you. We also need to understand that the way financial matters are communicated within the family, and whether it's about talking about budgets and savings and financial goals, that ultimately also shapes an individual's understanding. What's, what's actually also quite interesting to me is, and, and when you start focusing on it, whether you've got children or not, I've, I've certainly done it the past few years already, is the direct and the indirect messages about money that you talk about. Um, we must be careful of saying things like, you know, money is hard to come by or money can solve yeah. all problems. And I, I, you know, my 15-year-old daughter, I mean, teenagers, they want everything and they need everything. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes I catch myself saying, no, we don't have money for that. We can't afford that. And you should talk like that. I mean, rather say something like, is it really something that you need? Is it a priority now? Um, can you do without it? So be careful about the messages you talk about in, 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 in family setup. Then there's also, you know, children growing up in a financially stable household often develop a sense of security and confidence about their own financial future. But that's not something that we can always guarantee, right? And mm. um, the, the one thing that I, I, can, I can think of, I mean, when, the, when I was little, financial literacy wasn't really something that I personally got a lot of exposure to. I mean, financial concepts and lessons about money management, it wasn't really available or, you know, at the point, I suppose, top of mind. So we, the moment I started my first job, that was actually the first time I realized, oh, gosh, I need to start paying tax. What is tax? <laughs> so, so I think financial literacy also um, and what you get exposed to as a child also helps shape your, your thoughts about money and your mindset. I, for instance, got a colleague. Interesting enough, I mean, she pays her children 
pocket money. Mm. But from the pocket money, she deducts rent. She lets them pay cash. She lets them budget for certain specific things that they need. And I actually think that this is quite a, a, an amazing exercise for children to go through so that on an early age, you actually get exposure to, to you know, key financial concepts. And then lastly, I think the, the, the other thing that we also must not forget is the impact that traumatic events related to your finances, you know, such as bankruptcy or loss of a home, or that can actually, when you're a child, that can have a lasting effect on your relationship with money and how your parents or caregivers actually try to cope in those situations um, or during those financial difficulties also has a lasting effect um, on how you view money in the future. Yeah, and and then it is. I mean, it's so much. I mean, you're talking there around the family. It's so much around that family unit, which is going to expose it. And then, as an adult, I suppose, if if we, you know, how do we manage as an adult? Well, if you're thinking about our kids, and even if we don't have kids, if we're just thinking about our relationship, it's like most. It's like most guilt. It's just a case of thinking through it and 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 being aware of of what we're thinking and feeling. And importantly, don't pass it on to our kids and or our partners or our colleagues or even our friends. Exactly. So it's about how, how do you develop that healthy relationship with money? And, and if we think about the guilt that we've got, I mean, there are certain things that you can do to help you overcome that guilt so that at a point you can start developing a healthy relationship with money, which is what we want, right? Mm. So, so it's, firstly, I think you have to identify where is the source of guilt coming from? Why am I feeling guilty about it? And then how do you challenge your negative beliefs about money? And how do you, how do you change it with positive affirmations so that the healthy relationship with money can start? And I thought, don't stop focusing on, on, on financial growth or understanding financial concepts and empowering myself about certain financial things. Um, I always say that, you know, I have hope when I have a plan. So never underestimate the, the power of a plan and, and seeking professional financial advice in crafting that plan because that can overcome a lot of things in, in, in addressing your own money guilt. Yeah, I take that. It, it, so often it is around that planning. If we've got a plan, it, 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 it might be a long plan. It might not be the best plan in the world, but a plan takes some of that guilt, some of that fear away. We'll leave it there, Teresa Havenga, uh, Head of Business Transformation at Momentum Investor. And that is appreciate the t- early morning time today. And that's what we're asking on our LinkedIn and our Twitter polls today. Uh, do you have money guilt issues? Perhaps a bit. Perhaps you're managing them. Perhaps you're one of those who is all good. Or maybe you're finding it hard to manage. Have your vote. Have your say. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with Atanda uh, Mololi. He is South African Institute of Chartered Accountants Executive for Audit and Assurance. Atanda, uh, appreciate the early morning time. Digital transformation in, in, in auditing. I mean, auditing, of course, will go as far back as, as money and would have been as basic as, you know, simply just recording. But I imagine these days it is going high tech and more so than ever with the advances in, in artificial in, in intelligence that we've seen over the, the last couple of years. Yes, Simon, good morning to you. Good morning to the listeners as well. Um, yeah, so tech is really driving um, 
um, significant transformation in the in the auditing profession. Um, it's driven mainly mainly by the I guess the advances taking place in the clients um, that uh, that that the auditors um, um, perform assurance for. Um, I think so. This day and age, you're seeing um, developments such as um, you know real time audits, more real time audits mm. taking place. Uh, so you're no longer having to wait, you know, six or twelve months after the fact, but um, auditors can come in earlier in the processes and actually um, provide more meaningful and timely assurance. Um, you're seeing the whole concept of sampling being challenged as well. Um, so previously, you know, yeah. you you did your samples yeah. um, on, a, on on a particular population, but now you actually have the tech to go in and test 100% of the of the population and really focus on the more critical and riskier aspects of the audit so there are really um real real time benefits that and um, that the technology is providing um in 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 the audit space and i take your point i mean the auditing is becoming more complex because the client is becoming more complex but this is actually sort of getting ahead of the curve and and ultimately enhancing the quality of audits i mean you mentioned you know less sampling more just you know you're now able to use artificial intelligence to to check everything and and therefore the complexity is actually leading to better quality Correct, yeah. So better quality staff can actually focus less on the routine transactions and, and identify the critical areas of the audits where they can now interrogate and, um, and, 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 and really assess the risks and focus on those particular areas. Um, so there's been talk of technology replacing auditors. Mm. Um, I don't think that will happen <laughs> in the future. It's really allowing them, I guess, enhancing the audit and, and, and also allowing them to spend their time much more um, effectively and efficiently in, in, in the audits. Yeah, I take your point. I mean, Excel didn't replace accountants. It just enabled accountants to do better things and other things rather than addition. I mentioned uh, artificial intelligence, and of course, all of our minds then go to ChatGPT or, or Google Bard. But I imagine these are, in many cases, more bespoke tools for the, the audit profession and, and, and the auditors. Yes, I mean the the foundations are there um, from from your likes of the uh, chat GPTs and etc. You know, so so the AI technologies that we know. Um, but what we're seeing is that firms are also using those technologies and and tailoring them um, to 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 their unique um, environments as well. Um, so, for example, I think. Um, I was around August when we had a session with um, with with BDO. Um, which is a, mm-hmm. one of one of one of the kind of medium firms that we've got in South Africa, um, and they've spoken around how you know how they've tailored ChatGPT and some of the AI tech that's out there to um, to kind of fit their unique circumstances as a firm. Um, so you're right, Simon. There's there's a lot of I guess tailoring to make it much more bespoke for. Um, for the for the various firms, we're also seeing a lot of bots, chat bots that the firms are also um, developing. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of a lot of innovation taking place within within particularly the large firms and medium firms in in the country. Yeah, and, and as you say, keeping up with that innovation that is obviously happening at their clients uh, as as business in many cases. I mean, even simple business gets more complex in many ways. We leave it there. Sandamoli, he's South African Institute of Chartered Accountants Executive for Audit and Assurance. Appreciate the early morning. <laughs> 
That's it for today. We were chatting with uh, Robex CEO Felicia Mziza yesterday. Another good set of results. Uh, their diversification really paying off. I mean, when they listed, they did roads. That was their business. Man, now they do everything. Uh, mining, their own contract mining. We asked if you hold this particular construction stock. Over half of you said, you know what, thanks, but no construction for you. A third was saying, yeah, absolutely, great business. Why well, some of you preferred some of the others available. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. TWK results. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.